All right. Turn, if you would, to Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Title of my message is Being Right, the Righteous. How many like being right? Don't look at your wife right now. Look at your husband and definitely don't look at me. Being right. How many know we all want to be right? The world is full of people that want to be right. All right, now here's the problem. Being right is a repulsive thing. It's a repulsive phrase. Being right. Because when you think about it, being right, it does sound selfish. It does sound egotistical. It does sound like you think you're something everybody else isn't. It's always associated with self-righteousness. But we've got to tackle this issue of being right because that's what it actually means to be the righteous, which we wouldn't even say about ourselves, would we? Praise the Lord. Let's read. Blessed, this is from the NIV, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of living water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatsoever they do prospers, but not so for the wicked. That the wind blows away, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help me today. Lord, I have a task, Lord, that I can't complete, Lord. I need to... Make your people, make all the people, Lord God, understand this ideal, Lord God, that we must understand, Lord. Help me today. Do it through me, Lord. Lord, I pray that you give me the words, Lord God, to express this today, Lord. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Did you notice there that there are two different kinds of people there? There's the righteous, and there's the wicked or unrighteous. Obviously, if one group's the righteous, the other group is the unrighteous, right? And here's the problem with this word righteous. It just means the one who is right. The one who's right. We don't want to call ourselves righteous, and we definitely don't want to be heard saying, I am right. And in the world we live in, how many know there are a lot of battles right now over who is right and who is wrong? There's battles on social media right now that are raging like a fire over who is right and who is wrong. Their people's uh, feelings are being 
Uh, people were being offended and hurt because of who's right and who's wrong. There are large groups of political bases that say, we're right and you're wrong, you're right and we're wrong. Or you're whatever I just said. You know what I'm thinking. One's right, one's wrong, and there's heavy opposition. And so today, there is a two different paths for the righteous, the right ones, and a path for the wrong ones. In fact, the right ones, it says in this scripture, that the right ones, the right ones are recognized by where they walk, which our walk is with the Lord, right? Where they stand, we're seated in heavenly places with the Lord, we stand on the principles of the word. There's a whole different walk. There's a whole different stand. There's whole different places where the righteous are. And they're totally different than the wicked. The righteous are recognized by what they have a passion for. It says that they delight in God's law and it's always on their minds. And then the wicked are the total opposite. The righteous are going to last forever. They're going to stand. They're going to be... Uh, they're going to be saved. But then the unrighteous, the ones that are wrong, have a whole different destiny, a whole different way they live their life. And so we have to be right. We have to be the right ones. We have to be the ones who are right. And that's repulsive, right? We don't ever talk about wanting to be the right ones. And so today I have to explain what it means to be right. And the way that, uh, you, the only way that I can help you be right is to make you be totally wrong. And that makes no sense, does it? You say, man, this guy, where did you get this guy? He makes absolutely no sense. But in order for you to be the right one, You've got to be totally wrong. Totally wrong. The only one who is right in this world is the one who is totally wrong. And that's going to make sense as we go along. And I'm going to look progressively less and less crazy than I already look. Say amen. Hopefully. I'm going to try to pull that off. So we have to know the difference between the right and the wrong because here's the problem. If anybody in this world becomes the right one, they're right and everybody else is wrong. Like if any person in this room is the right one and they're right and everybody else is wrong, we're in trouble. We're in big trouble. Well, nobody can be right then. You're telling me nobody in this room can be right. And if they are right, we're in trouble. Yes. But in order to get to heaven, you have to be right. I'm still talking mysteries here. I'm still sounding even more crazy as I go along here. But here's the problem. These are all derivatives of this word. We have to be the right ones. We have to be the right which is called the righteous. We have to pursue righteousness, the Bible says. Seek it, go after it, pursue it. 
which is the right way to live. So we have to be righteous. We have to pursue righteousness, right? Right. You're right. All right. So being right. But what if the Republicans are right and the Democrats are wrong? Okay, what if this one group of Christians is right and this other group of Christians is wrong? Okay, now I'm getting more confusing here and I'm doing this on purpose, okay? Just bear with me. Because if you have a Republican group that's right, here's the problem that you have. If anybody is right, absent from God, they're self-righteous. And then the other end of the spectrum is, which I would have to say, a lot of the people in this world don't want God at all. And they have a righteousness that is the opposite of what God says. So you have one group that has their own righteousness that's within themselves, which is what the Pharisees and a lot of the religious had, and it was within themselves. And they were righteous because of who they were and what they believed. And that's what's called self-righteousness. And self-righteousness is condemned as much as righteousness by some other means, but definitely not God. So the Bible says in the last days there will be groups of people that will turn evil into good and good into evil. And everything they teach is right is actually wrong. And so now we're going to have a righteousness that is not by what's defined in the Bible. And then we have another group that says we're right. Why? Because I know better than you, which is self-righteousness. And so we desperately need to find what God's righteousness is. Because God is right. Let me read some scriptures here to back that up. Romans 3, 4 says, Not at all let God be true and every human being be a liar. As it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. Psalm 51, 4, which is where that came from. Against you and you only have I sinned, God. And done what is evil in your sight, so you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge me. So what does it mean to be righteous? Let me, let me define this word first. Now this is righteousness as a word and not necessarily getting into the Bible how it defines the righteousness of God. But here's what righteous means. Acting in accord with a divine or a moral law, free from guilt or sin. Number two, morally right or justifiable, righteous decision arising from an outraged sense of justice or morality, righteous indignation. Okay, synonyms, which helps you kind of define a word by synonyms and antonyms. Synonyms of the word right, decent, ethical, good, honest, honorable, just, moral, Nice, right, right-minded, straight, true, upright, or virtuous. 
if we think we're any of those things apart from God, we are self-righteous. If any of my goodness comes from me, I am self-righteous. If anything that God says is right and I oppose, I am against God's righteousness and I'm offering a different righteousness. My hope in this message today is to understand how to be right by the Bible. How to be a right person and live right and live in righteousness and be a person that is called righteous, which is repulsive to us, right? But it shouldn't be. Because the righteousness that we have has to be God's righteousness and not ours. So as we go on, antonyms, the opposite. Sometimes I can understand the word better by knowing the opposite. Okay, The opposite of righteous and all those uh, things I listed, right, decent, ethical, good, honest, honorable, just, moral, nice, right, right-minded, straight, true, upright, virtuous. Here's the opposite. Bad, dishonest, dishonorable, evil-minded, evil-minded, immoral, indecent, sinful, unethical, unrighteous, wicked, and wrong. Now here's the problem. If I have a righteousness that's different from the Bible... I can actually make the righteous by God's standard look like the wrong by my standard. And the Bible says that's what will happen in the last days. If your rightness as a human being is different than what the Bible says, then the Bible says you can actually take a person who's doing the right thing and they'll look evil. Evil will look good and good will look evil. For instance, if you stand up for God's righteousness in this world... The Bible is very clear that the world will hate you, they will reject you, and they will call you evil in every other manner of thing against you. If you stand for God's righteousness. So as we move on here, we've got to understand what is God's righteousness. Well, Romans 3, 5 through 20 gives a real good explanation. It says... But if our unrighteousness... Now, what's unrighteousness? That's that list of antonyms that I just gave. The opposite of righteousness. If our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing His wrath on us? What He's saying is, if when I'm unrighteousness, it shows God's righteousness... Is God unjust by bringing wrath against us because we're unrighteous? Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases His glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as some slanderously claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is just. What he's saying is, How can God rightly judge the world when we're all unrighteous? Every one of us. How can He honestly judge the world? Because the Bible says God's going to judge the world in righteousness. He's going to judge the world by the standard of, here's what's right, and every one of you are in the wrong. And under that judgment of righteousness... No man will stand or woman, the Bible says. Nobody will. Not anybody in here will be considered 
right. So you begin to see the condition that we're in. Nobody is right. Nobody is a right thinker. Nobody is a right liver. Nobody understands right because we're so messed up from when God created man in the garden, like I talked about last week. We've so destroyed the image of God that was created in us, we don't know how to think right. We don't know how to live right. In fact, if we got a right ideal and we tried to apply ourselves to it, that right ideal would get distorted after a few days and that right ideal would be a wrong ideal. And so we need really a lot of help to be the right ones, to be the right people, to be the people that live in rightness. And it goes on and it says, What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, there's no one who seeks God. All have turned away, they have all together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. You know what one means in the Greek? Not even one. (laughs) You guys catch on really quick. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. The mouth, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. The way of peace they do not know. There is no fear before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be shut or silenced. And the whole world held accountable to God. There is no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the words of the law. Rather, by the law, we have become conscious of our sin. God, this morning, in order for us to be the right ones who think right and understand right and live right, our mouth has to be shut up before God. Our mouth has to be silenced before God. We have to stand before God and we have to um, renounce. Listen to me. Please hear this message because I don't know that you'll hear it again the rest of your life. This might be your last day on earth. If we don't renounce and empty ourselves of our rightness, we can never receive the righteousness that is of God. Your ideal of living, your ideals on this subject and that subject and this subject and that subject is wrong. Let every man be a liar and let God be true. God says that every man would stand before me and shut his mouth And know that I am true and you are all liars. And this is the first step. In fact, uh, one simplistic way to look at the Bible is the law and grace. Everything in the law has a purpose that is a mountain of purpose. That is huge, that is big, that is wonderful, that is great. Everything that has to do with that law, some people think erroneously that the law was up to a certain point, it ended, and now we got a new thing going on. The law was the same from the beginning as it is today. 
The law does not save you. The law does not help you. The law leaves you helpless. The law is pointed at you like mighty cannons and it looks at you and it says you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're not nice. You're not good. You can't do anything to make you good. You're bad. You're not good. You're evil. You're wicked. Every man goes away from me. Your only chance is empty yourself of your goodness today. There's only one way to go from death to life, and that is empty myself of everything that's righteous within me. It's all like a filthy rag. You want me to break down the Hebrew? It's a menstrual rag. It's the most filthy thing they could think to explain our righteousness. It's filthy. It's bloody. And I'm sorry to use those terms this morning, but it's the Bible. I've got a right to preach it. Your righteousness is filthy. Smells. I'm painting a picture this morning. I'm sorry. If our sin is not ugly and your sin is good, if your your feet, like I said last week, don't stink, you've got problems. You're self-righteous. You think you're good and you're going to stand before God and God's going to say, why should I let you in? Why should I allow you to be called one of the righteous, one of the good? And you're going to say, I did so many good deeds. My good deeds were so much more than my neighbor. My good deeds were so much more than my bad deeds. Man, I bake cookies for people who are sick. My family's always been a good family, and God's going to say, wow, something in my throne room smells really bad like that filthy rag. And if you've never stood before God and felt inadequate, guilty, your mouth hasn't shut up about how good you are, then you're just not ready to receive the other part of the Bible, which is... From Genesis, it didn't start in Matthew. Come on. From the very beginning, righteousness was always by faith. It was never by the law. The law was always there to be something we, 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 we seek after, we go after, we want with all of our heart, but we don't have it. It's a lifetime trying to attain it, but we always fall short of it. And in order for God to give us His righteousness, we have to see ourselves... As a sinner, but this world and this country and this city and the social media is so full of so many good people. The Democrat is better than the Republican. The Republican is better than the Democrat. Right? Everybody is better than the other one. And we keep arguing about who's better and who's good. And God's saying, you all stink the highest parts of heaven. Get out of my, get out of my face. I don't even want you in here. You smell my, you, you stink my throne room up. You say, well, you're, you're adding something to that. Read your Bible. We are sinners who God loves with all of his heart. But if you keep yourself righteousness, God can never pour in his righteousness. He can't restore us to what he intended us to be until we first say, God, I am a sinner. And some people have never said that they are a sinner and they have never repented. Look in your Bible, every message from the beginning to the end. Jesus and everybody who ever considers themselves a follower and Jesus himself says you must repent. 
You must turn away from your sins and start walking this path. And without repentance, there is no ability to have your sins taken away until we pour ourselves out of all of our goodness and start to receive His rightness. There is no salvation. Let me break down a word, the, right, the word righteous. In fact, there were five areas I want to cover, and I don't know, I never do seem to get to the end of my notes, but my best part of my notes is always at the end. First thing I wanted to do was talk about what does it mean to be righteous or have righteousness. The second thing I want to do is what is God's righteousness. The third thing is what is the proper response to God's righteousness. Four is what is the world's response to God's righteousness. And number five, ooh, where's five at? Are you there? Five is what is my response to the world concerning God's righteousness? I've got to answer these five questions. I've done the righteous. What does it mean to be righteous? Righteousness. Now I've got to explain what's God's righteousness. And this is tough because you, um, you see this word used all through the Bible. And the first thing you look for in the Bible is a concrete definition of what it means to be that. And so you look at a lot of scriptures with righteousness and you see people called the righteous. You see uh, God expecting righteousness. You talk about the righteousness being His and not yours. But finding concrete definitions of this is definitely what it is, uh, you've got to put a lot of things together to get a real good biblical definition of what it is. For instance, the word blessed in the Old Testament is kind of obscure. It always says bless this, bless that, bless this, but it doesn't give a concrete definition And then you see Genesis where it talks about bless, and it says he bowed his knee before God and blessed. You say, okay, I'm beginning to understand what it means to bless the Lord. Bow my knee. And so righteousness is a similar way. One of the ways you can really define righteousness is to look at a thing, because it's hard to find a concrete place, but one of the best places to look is to find a a parallel. A parallel is basically what I was reading with righteousness called a synonym. Words that are used... um, The Old Testament is written in a lot of uh, poetic ways, a lot of literary devices. And how many know one of the favorite literary devices of the Bible is a parallel? It'll use a word, and they'll use another word, and they'll use them as the same word. And one word that constantly is used, and there's lots of concrete definitions of this word, is the word upright. Psalm 32.11 says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy all of you who are upright in heart. You see how that parallel kind of tells you what a righteous person is? They're upright in heart. Well, that doesn't tell me a lot. But then he goes on, translates it upright, and that parallel is used in the Bible. I had the number here. A lot of times in the Bible, upright. I can't find my number, but, but a bunch of times in the Bible, that's the parallel. Upright is a righteous person, upright in heart. 
And then the upright, another way to kind of get a good flavor for what the upright is, is to look at what's called an antonym, which I looked at the word righteous. An antonym is the opposite. So in Psalm 37, 17, it says, For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Uh, in, in Psalm eighteen twenty one, For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. So here is a, you begin to see these synonyms and antonyms, and did you notice what happened there? We had a solid definition of what it means to be righteous and unrighteous. I have not departed from the way. Have not departed from the way of the Lord. So as you begin to look at the righteous, you begin to see this, the way, the path, this narrow path, the straight path, the path that God establishes your steps, God allows you to walk along the righteous are this, if you want to make it really simple, the righteous are the ones that follow the path. In fact, this was a nomadic people that raised sheep and they understood by this example constantly that God takes the sheep, they follow Him, they listen to Him, everything He says they do, they don't know where the next meal's coming, they just know that they're following the shepherd. So the righteous are the ones that are separated and follow Him every day. The upright walk with Him every day. Well, I thought the upright and the righteous were the ones that did everything right and knew everything. That's the religious. The upright and the righteous are the ones that follow His path and do not depart, do not move away from the Lord. They follow Him every day. So who are the righteous according to God's standard? God says that none of us are righteous among ourselves, but those who follow Him will somehow become righteous. And you begin to see this. Follow Jesus and you'll become righteous. Well, how is that possible? None of us are righteous. And Jesus begins to teach what it means to be righteous. Remember a couple weeks ago I said that... um, The Sermon on the Mount was Jesus' proclamation of the kingdom. He was giving a sermon to say, this is how the people in the kingdom will behave. But one thing maybe you've never noticed is, there's lots of different ways to study the Sermon on the Mount. But one of the most fascinating ways to study it is, follow the word righteous in that sermon. And this is going to be really fascinating. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. It says, Now Jesus saw the crowds. Remember, this is His proclamation of His kingdom. His kingdom is now, and He's proclaiming how the righteous will live in His kingdom, how they'll live their life day to day following Me. He says, now Jesus saw the crowds. He went up to a mountain and sat down. His disciples came to him. He began to teach them. These are the Beatitudes. Eight and then one that summarizes the eight. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. See that word righteousness? For they will be filled Stop there because that's one section if you follow the word righteousness. 
Then it goes, blessed are the merciful, they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed when people insult you and persecute you. And then as you begin to go down, I'm going to show you a few more places all through that sermon you follow the break of the word righteous, and you're going to see something fascinating here. This is broken into two segments here. The first segment that's attached to the righteous, and then the second segment attached to the righteous. The Beatitudes say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, there's the kingdom of heaven. And then down at the end of the Beatitudes, it says again, Blessed are those, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's almost like a bookend to both sides. But he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Who is that? The poor in spirit are those that recognize it's not in me. They're the ones that repent. They're the ones that say, my righteousness is not as good as his righteousness. My righteousness will damn me to hell. His righteousness will save me to heaven. They're the ones that empty themselves out. This is not a filling up here. How many know that? Blessed are those who pour in spirit. It's an emptying out. It's a saying, I am not, not I am. It's saying I'm emptying myself out. I'm not being filled up here. I'm emptying myself out. The person that does this, blessed are the poor in spirit, they're being emptied out. There's no fullness here. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. This is the person that looks at the law, looks at the world around them, and they're lacking. They're not being filled. They're sad because they can't fulfill the law. They're sad because they've sinned. They're sad because the world around them is away from God. They're being emptied. Let me see that. They're totally being emptied of everything that's inside of them, everything that brought them comfort, everything that brought them pride, everything that brought them uh, happiness, they thought. They emptied it all out. And God, and God says, happy are they. Still being emptied. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. These are the ones that when everybody mocks them because of the way they're living, they don't defend themselves. You see, there's another emptying out. When everybody laughs, everybody mocks, everybody uh, says you have less than us, you're less than, less than, less than, less than, they don't fight back. They're meek. They're humble of humility, but they're still empty. And Jesus begins to cap those three off, and now he's going to fill them. You see, empty, empty, empty. Now they're going to be so full they won't know what to do with themselves. It says, now, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for my righteousness, because they're going to be so full. Do you understand? They emptied themselves of themselves and said, you know what? I'm poor in spirit. It's not about me. It's about him living through me. They began to mourn because they hadn't have an ability to live the kind of life God wants them to live. They're not able to live triumphantly like God wants them to live. And God says, blessed are them. Then they're still empty. Blessed are those who everybody's saying all these things about your life and the way you live and, and all your stupid ideas and all the way that Christians live. And you're meek. I don't fight back. I just know it's the right thing. And he says, now, those three groups of people that are empty now, get ready. 
you hunger and you thirst for me to fill you, I'm going to fill you to overflowing. But you have to hunger and thirst for rightness? I thought we're not supposed to say we're right. That's why he's emptying of everything inside of you that can say you're right. I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. These people said, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Now fill me with your rightness. I mean, oh, God can't do the work of filling you with his righteousness and making you a righteous one until you empty it all out. Now he's going to fill you. Now look what happens when he fills them. This is amazing. Remember, it's all centered around the word righteous, righteousness. Now you're going to be filled with mercy, and you will be shown mercy. Blessed are the mercy. Now all of a sudden you see this person who's full of his righteousness is just full of mercy and love and grace and truth. You see all this that's being poured into them now. Then it says, now they are pure in heart, and they will see God. So now they've been filled Now they're overflowing with mercy and grace and truth. You ever felt this in your life? Now that I'm one of the right ones, now that I've emptied myself of all this pride and arrogance that I'm right, now that I've thrown that all down and repented of that, now God's filling me with His mercy, His truth, His love. Now I'm going to actually see God because I'm pure in heart and man, I'm hungry for righteousness. And He's filling me. I hunger and thirst for you, not me. I'm done with me. I want you. And now they're being filled with mercy. Now they're being filled with pureness of heart. Now they're being, now they're not just making peace with God. They're peacemakers. They're going out teaching everybody else to have peace with God. They've got peace with God. They've got peace with everybody that's hurt them. They've got peace with their enemies. They got peace with everybody. And now they're actually peacemakers. They're going on behalf of God, helping people have peace. Now look what happens. Remember I said I want you to know how we should respond to God's offer of righteousness? Now we then to see how does the world respond when we get filled up with His righteousness. You ever walked into your workplace? You ever walked into school? You ever walked into a public meeting about drag queens? Okay, that's random. I guess we had one of those this week, didn't we? And when you walk in and you really... Obey the word and you have God's righteousness. How did it feel when Abel had God's righteousness? Cain killed him. All through the Bible, when you have God's righteousness, it's going to cause a reaction. So the Beatitudes are emptying out, pouring spirit, emptying out, mourn, emptying out, those who are meek, filling up now. We're ready to fill up. Now that I'm being filled with mercy, truth, grace... I'm being filled with pureness of heart, and I'm seeing God. Now I'm full of His peace, and now I'm becoming a peacemaker. Now the world enters the picture. Their reaction to the right ones, the right people, the right answers. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Remember, he started with theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now he's saying the same phrase to bookend this. Blessed are those, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, all of a sudden, the reaction of the world to God's righteousness finally being poured into human beings is like, who do you think you are? You think you're a judge. You think you're righteous. You think you have the right answers. I do. I am one of the righteous. I do have righteousness. 
I do have all the things you accuse me of because I emptied my pride out, emptied my arrogance out. I became humble. I became meek. I became humiliated. I threw away all my ideals and said, God, it's not my ideals anymore. It's all about you. And every day I've got it. The Bible says, you remember the scripture that says, seek him first in his righteousness. This is where Jesus is going in the sermon. That's that scripture is next. So he says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you. Why are they insulting you? This gets in my way sometimes. I'm sorry. Why are they insulting you? Because you have, you are one of the righteous ones. You have his righteousness. You're living his righteousness. Are you perfect? Are you, are you a person that has righteousness within yourself? No, he's given it to me. They hate you, they insult you, they persecute you, they say all kinds of evil against you because of me, he said. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Do you understand when I get filled with his righteousness, they are going to hate me. They're going to hate you. But we've got a hunger and thirst for righteousness every day. You say, can I just grab a hold of his righteousness and just let it sit there? No, every day I've got a hunger and I've got a thirst for rightness. Why? Because I will ruin it. And if it's not fresh every day and God doesn't expound on it every day through my devotions and my prayer, I'll ruin it with my righteousness. I mean, no, that's true. Then he goes on. And if this whole sermon is uh, built around righteousness, it should continue that way. The word righteousness occurs five times in this sermon. Matthew 5, 6, and 10, and 20, which I just read. 6, 1, uh, he talks about the righteousness of the Pharisees. And he says, your righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees. Well, man, how do you exceed the Pharisees? You know, self-righteousness, there's nobody more self-righteous than the Pharisees. They do everything the law requires to the, to the slightest degree they don't mess up on the law. And Jesus said, they're the maximum of a person who's obedient to the law, but you've got to exceed them. Why does he include that as part of a sermon, exceeding the Pharisees? Then he begins to explain through this sermon, how do you exceed their righteousness? Well, they keep the law of thou shalt not murder. But the one who's being filled with my righteousness seeks righteousness every day. They hunger and thirst for it. So their desire is, I don't even want to be angry at anybody. I mean, oh, that exceeds the Pharisees. The Pharisees don't even do that. The Pharisees are always angry at people, okay? Because the law doesn't say you can't be angry. So the Pharisees are angry quite often. In fact, most would say they were angry, sour people. But they kept the law better than anybody. Jesus said you have to exceed their rightness. They consider themselves the right ones. They argue on social media. These Pharisees are a social media army. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. No, we've got the law. We're the owners of the law. We're the best at keeping the law, and they're right. 
If it were by the law to be the right ones, they'd be the best. He said, but you've got to be more right than them. And the way to be more right with them is not just murder. Yeah, I don't murder. I've kept the law. No, no, no. Let's seek every day not to ever be angry with anybody. Uh, And then he goes a little further. He says, anybody can do it to their neighbor. Any Pharisee can do it to their neighbor. I want you to do it to your enemies. You understand how Jesus' righteousness was greater than the law keepers. And he said, well, how about lust? And all all the Pharisees were like, oh, no. Most of our population's hooked on internet porn. And, and the Pharisees weren't. Pharisees kept the law better than anybody. All right? He says, you've got to exceed the Pharisees. Well, how do I exceed the Pharisees? Never lust after a woman in your own mind. You say, well, how can I keep that? There's only one way. Get up every day and hunger and thirst for righteousness. You say, what if I mess up? Well, that's why God imputes righteousness. That's why we have to give up our righteousness because we fail. Hello, over and over and over and over I fail. Why do you want to hold on to that old man? Why do you want to keep your own righteousness? You know you fail over and over and over and over and over again. He says, turn it in, give it up, repent, lay it down. Let me give you my righteousness. What's his righteousness? The old man dies that can't even keep the law. The new man rises up and he hungers and thirsts for what's right because his was wrong. And he imputes your righteousness. What's that mean? Your sins are not held against you. You're imputed as perfect. You are perfect. Lay down the old man. Lay down the old goodness that you have. You're not good enough. Lay it down and say, God, I'm a sinner. I'm hooked on porn. I'm hooked on alcohol. I smoke and nobody knows it. Lay it down. I backbite. I talk about my neighbor. I do all these things. Lay it down. Bury it. Curse it. It's an accursed thing. The Bible says, put a heap of rocks upon it. Let it be gone. Let the old man die. Rise up in the new man. What is the new man? He gets up every day and all he has to do is hunger and thirst for more of God. Lord, I don't want to even have anger in my heart. Lord, I don't even want to have lust in my heart. What if I fail? You've been imputed righteousness. And it says the day the Lord comes back, He's going to be imparting righteousness every day. New every morning. I get to wake up and get a new righteousness. You say, but I'm still hooked. But you're pursuing. You're hungering and you're thirsting. You're seeking God and His righteousness every day. That's following the shepherd. Say, but I'm still hooked on porn. Yeah, but you've cursed it, called it a sin, repented of it, and God is going to pour out righteousness every day. He's going to impart it every day of your life. Am I going to be perfect ever? That's the bad news. Every day you're going to grow in righteousness. Every day you're going to be imparted righteousness. Every day you're going to be more and more righteousness. But the good news is He sees you as perfect now. That's the plan. You can't fail. He said, but I'm hooked. Well, the only way to get better is to hunger and thirst every day. Every day say, today I failed, but today he's going to impart more righteousness. Today he's going to help me overcome. He's got to impute it and he's got to impart it. He's got to give it. He's got to see you as that. and He's got to give it to you every day. He, go, he continues. Ooh, hallelujah, I got six minutes. Praise the Lord. That excites me. So Jesus goes on and he, and he, and he talks about righteousness and says it's got to exceed the Pharisees. 
And then he continues on, and he begins to say, he says that you have to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, see, I always need it back. I always have to repent of my behavior. He says you've got to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why didn't he just say hunger and thirst after God? Don't you think it would have been better just to say hunger and thirst after God? Hunger and thirst after God. Because you can just hunger and thirst after God and you can totally isolate yourself from the whole world. What's that? Preaching my sermon. You're not supposed to look at my notes. Who's looking at my notes? If you were just hungering and thirsting after God, you could hide yourself like a little hermit. All right? You could isolate yourself from everybody. And you could just hunger and thirst after God your whole life, and nobody will bother you. You won't have to deal with the world. But he said, Hunger and thirst after righteousness, and blessed is the man when he's persecuted for that. How many know that the righteousness that's flowing through us is supposed to flow through the world? It's the righteousness that went through Jesus, and the reason I know that is because he said they're going to treat you like they treated me because they see you in me. They see me in you, okay. That was, that was actually heresy, the first one. Yeah. They see me in you, that's actually correct. Not me through Jesus. Clarify that. So he actually closes the sermon. Remember I told you this sermon was built around righteousness. Listen to the final part of this sermon in Matthew seven twenty two and 23. It says, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works? In your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. So many times we're eager to do all this activity for God. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this. Is it His righteousness or is it your good works? Is it you getting up every day and say, God, I want to be more like you? How many know me is not good enough for today? Me has problems, all right? And, and I'm going to preach the rest like a caveman, all right? Me has issues. Me has problems. When you get up in the morning, speak like a caveman. It will help your spiritual life. You'll realize how unintelligent you are. Me has anger problems. <laughs> just too funny. I've got to keep doing it. Me has love issues. Me not very smart. Poor in spirit. We've got to wake up every morning and understand anything that I do good today is going to be because God imparted it. It's not in me to do it. It's not in me to be good. It's not in me to do righteousness. I really hope that this message, more than anything, helps you understand righteousness that's accepted by God. Because a lot of what the church does is not accepted by God. It's our righteousness. 
It's our goodness. It's our good works. And what we have to do every morning is saying, God, I need you to live through me. I can't love like you. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the wisdom that you have in this situation. I mean, no, we ruin a lot of situations because of our rightness, our arrogance, our pride, our believing that we're really good. And I was listening to a story, it was really interesting. A minister was talking about, um, a very well-known minister, a godly man, very dear minister. I mean, just the way he ministered, so loving and and uh, he said that one day he got a phone call from his uh, piano teacher when he was a kid. And she was one of those ladies, was the sweetest person, one of the sweetest people that he had ever known. So nice and sweet and, you know, just, you know, the time. And she would teach him music when he was a kid. And he hadn't seen her for 40 years. And went back to his hometown they said, hey, your old music teacher is in the hospital and she's, she may die real soon. You, you might want to go see her. And so I, he ended up being the minister, the minister to his music teacher that he hadn't seen for 40 years. And as he began to talk to her, he said, you know, I think that might be the sweetest lady I've ever known. And he says, I began to talk to her. She played a piano for her church for... 60 years and a very um, um, mainline kind of a cold church that she went to. And, and he really didn't know. He knew she was nice, but he didn't know if she had ever given her heart to the Lord. And so as he walked in, he said, um, he prayed and prayed what to say when he walked in. And he said, the question that God gave me to ask her is, you may see the Lord very soon. And he said, when you do, what is the reason that you're going to give God for him to say that you are going to be received into heaven? And she said, well, she said, um, I was a really good person. And he sat there really quietly and didn't say a word and just began to cry. She said, that's not the right answer, is it? And she kind of smiled and struggled a little and said, you, you can't say that. She said, well, I took cookies to the neighbors when they were upset and was always the first one to help people. And he just started crying even more and broke his heart. And she just kind of smiled and said, not what it's not the right answer, is it? He said, No. He said, There is none righteous, not one. And she began to cry. And she said, I've been so good my whole life. Nobody's ever asked me to get right with God. And she said, I know I'm not right with God. And he said, Well, you can be right today. He said, The good news is. You repent. God is faithful and just to save you. And she began to weep and began to cry. And she said, I've always wanted to give my heart to the Lord. And he said the sinner's prayer and they cried together. And he walked out and knew that his music teacher was not only nice, but she was saved. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet.
Praise the Lord. If you turn the lights down. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Let, let, let's bow our heads this morning and close our eyes, everybody. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord. Lord, I just pray for your spirit of humility to come through this place, Lord God. Father, we've seen a world around us that's full of pride and arrogance and self-righteousness and righteousness that's apart from you, Lord. And today we just uh, pray for a spirit of repentance in this house. And uh, Lord, bless us with repentance. Bless us with your righteousness. Father, uh, I pray that you would fill every heart with a hunger for righteousness. A hunger and a thirst for your righteousness which exceeds us, exceeds the Pharisees, exceeds the religious, exceeds everybody, Lord God. Your righteousness. It can live through us today, Lord. Praise the Lord. If you leave your eyes closed and your head bowed, I'm not going to... um, It's not my place... Not my place to beg you to come to the Lord. What I'm going to do is I'm going to leave. The, there's an altar here. You can stand here. You can kneel. I mean, know that there are some things that are between you and God. It's not between me and God. It's between you and God. And I just want to tell you today: you can bow at your seat. You can stand up and do it, but you have your mouth has to be stopped before God, and you have to say. God, I'm not right. I renounce being right. I don't want to be right. I'm not that smart. I'm not that good. God, I bow before you. God, the mission of my life today, I repent of my sins and I want your righteousness. I want your goodness. I want your salvation. I want to wake up every day and I want to lay mine down because it's not good enough. I've sinned so many times trying to do it my own way. I want to wake up every day and I want your righteousness. I want you to fill me. I want you to overflow me. You know what the marking is going to be when God begins to do that? The world's just going to hate you for it. And you're going to love them. And every day you're going to get up and say, how can I love them more? How can I love my enemies more? The ones that speak against my life, how can I love them more? Because you're filling me with your righteousness every day, Lord. I just want to ask you today as we begin to worship here for another song find a place to repent find a place to lay down your righteousness and pick his up you need help if you say man I've never given my heart to the Lord I need some help I am here as a pastor to help you do that I have lots of people here men and women that would love to pray with you whatever you're comfortable with we just want you to lay down your goodness and pick up his it's not enough smells in his presence your righteousness your goodness God's trying to tell you today this has been the way from the beginning the law is there to tell you you're wrong shut your mouth let you know that your goodness is not good enough but his is enough when he looks and he sees his righteousness he says come in my good and faithful what about my sins your sins are gone when you get forgiveness he sees his righteousness Come in, my good and faithful servant. I've been waiting for you. If we walk up with our righteousness, we'll say, I don't even know you. What about all the good things I did, God? I don't know you. I don't see my righteousness on you. Hallelujah. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, just repeat this with me today. If you mean it, pray it with me and then pray it on your own when we're done. I'm going to show you how to do it. Heavenly Father, I come before you today. Lord, I lay down my goodness, my righteousness, my desire to be right. I renounce it. I pick up your righteousness. Forgive me of all my sins and pour your righteousness into my life every day. In your name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, he's faithful to forgive you. This is day one of seeking God's righteousness. How do you do it? You get into that word. You get around people that know the word. You get around the teaching of the word. You begin to pray that the Holy Spirit would pour it out in your life. And you know what God will do? He'll pour out that law and you'll delight in it. You'll say, oh God, I love your law. I love to know where I'm wrong. You know how contrary that is to our thinking? I love your law. I delight in your law. Like that psalm I read at the beginning, I delight in your law. God, tell me where I'm wrong. I love to be wrong. I'm wrong all the time. You've been saying you're right your whole life. God's saying it's over now. Wake up every day and say, I'm wrong, Lord. You're right. I'm wrong, God. And some of you have never said I'm wrong your whole life. It's time to do it today. I'm wrong, God. You're right. Tell me today. Where, where, tell me today where I'm wrong. I love it. Lord, I love when you tell me where my thinking is wrong. Because you know what? Everywhere where our thinking is wrong destroys us. People around us. Begin to cry out to God today. Lord. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. Bless your people, Lord. Fill them full of your righteousness today, Lord God. Oh, Father, you called us to be the righteousness, Lord. The righteous. Your righteousness. Father, let it be poured out through your people who know you, Lord. Bless them today, Lord, as they go. In your name we pray.